Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to know that we serve such a great God, one who hears, one who sees, and more importantly than all of this, one who loves and cares deeply for each one, so much so that he sent his Son. Heavenly Father, we cannot thank thee enough for this unspeakable gift that thou hast granted unto us. Lord Jesus, we lift up thy name forever, knowing that thou alone hast made the way possible for us to return to thee, to return to the Father. Holy Spirit, we ask for thy presence now, this morning. The Spirit of the living God would be among us as we would look into thy word, that thy sword would be sharp, dividing and piercing down to the very depths of our being, laying ourselves open before thee and before us as we would consider thy words. Be with those that could not gather with us this morning, Heavenly Father, those that especially would have liked to have been here but could not because of reasons of health or things beyond their control. Heavenly Father, be with them. Provide for them. We especially want to remember in prayer right now Sister Liv Bielek and Brother George as they would be preparing themselves to travel for this surgery. Heavenly Father, thou art the great physician and we know that thou dost sometimes use the hands of men to accomplish thy will. And so we would pray now that the surgery would be successful, that the cancer would be removed and that Sister Liv would be able to spend a little longer with us here on this earth, with her family guiding her, her children and uh, serving and, and, and helping and, and serving thee in whatever capacity thou hast called her. But Heavenly Father, we know, we know that thou dost love so much better than we do and our vision is often clouded by uh, human perceptions and ideas and so heavenly father we commit her and brother george into thy care and keeping know that that knowing that thou will do what is best for her and for this entire situation and so we place them heavenly father in thy care and keeping knowing that thou will do what is best ultimately for all be with us now as we would open thy word together divide to us thy holy word and we pray this in jesus name amen I'd like to read with the Lord's help from the second chapter of Paul's letter to the Colossians, Colossians chapter 2. The second chapter of Paul's letter to the Colossians. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. 
For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are raised, risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. I'd like to stop reading with the 15th verse. Let's kneel for prayer. Eternal God and everlasting Father, unto thee shall all flesh come, whether sooner or later. And unto Jesus shall all need bow. Whether sooner or later. For he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And Lord we, we worship thee today. Father, Son and Holy Ghost. Who is this Godhead. This triune God. This Deity that people mock, that people scoff at. You are, Lord, the creator of this vast universe that man has just had a, a sprinkling of knowledge through telescopes and through space travel. Yet with thy word, you created everything. You spoke and it became reality. And Lord, you realized also, you knew that man would fall. This speck of a creature in this speck of a earth, that man would fall and violate your commands and rebel against thee. And so, Lord, we come before thee now, bowing 
before the one that we read about who took our trespasses and, and the writing of ordinances against us and nailed it to his cross. And pardon every one that came to thee and has come to thee bowing the knee, repenting of their sins and seeking forgiveness and not only forgiveness, a new life that is worth the living. O Lord in heaven, we come before thee unworthy as we are, but made worthy by the blood of the Lamb. And so, Father, we pray and give you praise and adoration to the Lamb that was once slain before the very foundations of this world by your divine foreknowledge. He was laid on the altar of sacrifice for our redemption. We pray, Lord, that this day as your word goes forth, that those that are hearing this word, whether here or on the internet, that your word would go forth and prick hearts and open the eyes and enlighten the eyes of the mind and convict and bring to repentance before thee, the living God, Father, we pray that while the opportunity is around, is still here, that they would not shun or avoid or reject the invitation. Father, we pray that you would give utterance to our dear brother as he would preach your word and that the word would be received in open hearts, willing hearts, on good ground in meekness mingled with faith. Father, we pray that it would bring forth much fruit, that many more would become the sons and daughters of the living God. Father, as we worship together as a body, we pray for those that could not be here physically with us, we pray for those as we have already begun to pray for our dear sister Liv Bilek. We pray for the many more that we are aware that suffer the infirmities of the flesh in a very real way. We pray for our dear sister Olga Ordog that above all that you'd give her comfort and strength that you place her faith and trust in you. We pray that you'd give her healing and peace. Father, we pray also for the many dear ones that we know in our church that are suffering. Lily Vukov, Olga Vukov, the aged, the infirm, the, the shut-in, we pray that you would visit them, comfort them, and strengthen them 
And that we would not send you, but that you would send us. That we would be your hands and feet, Lord Jesus, who heal the sick, the lame, the blind, raise the dead, and preach the gospel to the poor. Father in heaven, we pray for your word throughout this world as it goes forth by your children, by those that are sent into the mission fields, into the neighborhoods, into the areas that people don't want to go. We pray that you would be with them, that you would use them, protect them, guide them, and give them faith to endure even persecution to this very day. Lord, we heard of a great earthquake this morning in New Guinea, not far from where our believers are there too. We pray that you would spare them, that you would protect them and provide for their every need. Father, we pray for the government We have seen, Lord, that in the British Empire, the monarch, the queen, even she has to die. And an era is over. And it just goes to show that the mighty fall, as much as the base, the weak, for every one of us must go the way of the flesh. Every one of us must go back into the earth from which we came. But our spirits will go to another place. And we pray that we would, we would do wisely and prepare to meet our God. Be with us. Bless us. Bless the, the children, Lord, as we heard this morning there will be a presentation for graduation from Sunday school. We pray that you would bless their lives. That what they have learned in Sunday school and at home will be put to good use and make them wise unto salvation as did, did to Timothy, the young soldier of the cross. Be with us and bless us we ask in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. I had this particular passage of scripture on my heart this morning and then as I was in the bench, I had some momentary doubts and started looking around perhaps something else or I just didn't feel like I was really equal to the task of maybe meditating on it. But then I again felt that perhaps the Lord wants us to look at this. And so I have a few thoughts, but we'll see where the Lord will, will guide this. The Apostle Paul mentions many things. We're having a Sunday school graduation ceremony this morning. And I do see in what he wrote here some very fitting words also for our graduates. 
he starts by saying, I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as who, as who have not seen my face in the flesh. And I thought, well, that's us as well, isn't it? We've never seen this great man, this teacher of God, this apostle of our Lord. So we also can take these words from him, written as they were under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and given for us even in these latter days. The sentiments that come through here in the instructions, I think, are so suitable for this day and age of uncertainty. I was reminded a couple times this morning that today, I think, is the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. And though really, if we're to be honest, the significance of those events are really only tied, are, are only prominent because of where they happened in the country that they happened. Thousands die every day in conflicts and disasters, and the world takes little note of them. But the one thing about that event, I think, that was set a different course for the world, if I can say that, changed something uh, irretrievably, was that the sense of security was taken from the Western nations. There was a sense that, that their world had been rocked by these, by these attacks that were so brazen that happened right in the middle of one of their largest cities, without warning. And so in that, in the vacuum, in the kind of flailing after answers that happened immediately after that event, I remember it well, I was in my early 20s, and, uh, there was, a, there was this questioning of everything. Where was God was one of the things that you heard. And how could this happen? And there was a questioning. What can we depend on? Where does our strength lie? Where does security lie? Paul writes some things here that we would do well to take heed of because I think those questions actually haven't left in the 20 years that have been since that event. The thing that changed everything back then, I mean, for the younger people, do you realize that in the airports, you used to just be able to walk right on? There was no security checks. There was no removing your shoes and belts. If you had some change in your pocket, I mean, okay, put it there. You set off the metal detector. But airports were open places. It was coming and going and greetings and everything changed. Let's listen to what Paul writes to us in this latter day and time now. Here is his prayer for the, for the church, for those that haven't seen him, actually. That their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding and to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Let's just stop with that one verse. Everyone wants their hearts to be comforted. I remember President Bush's speech immediately following that event where the nation was looking to him for some sort of a guidance, some sort of comfort. And I remember his words because they kind of stuck in my throat. I didn't like them. He said, we pray that God 
would comfort those that have lost loved ones. That, that he would provide peace and, and, and um, assurance for them. But then he quickly followed that with, but those who did this were going to make pay. And I thought, really? This is what you're offering? How well has that worked out? Operation Desert Shield, Operation Desert Storm, hundreds of thousands of lives killed, billions of dollars in ordnance and equipment. And is the world more secure, more safe, more stable? Iraq is less so, the place where they were supposed to be bringing democracy and freedom. And my point is not to make this a political speech. It's simply to underline the fact that man cannot bring peace to this earth. There is no assurance for those outside of Christ. I'm sorry, I can offer you none. Even your own life is hanging by a thread. You don't know when the Lord may say, so far and no further. But look at what he offers. Look what is offered in Christ. And for our young Sunday school graduates, you have a life ahead of you. You've just begun, really, to learn about the Word of God in any real practical way. The early lessons in Sunday school set the stage, but I think it's only just about now that that message is coming home to you that really, this is about you. It's not about Noah. It's not about Job. It's not about King David. It's not about those other characters and heroes of faith. It's actually about you and what you will do. So listen, please, what Paul says to us. Here's how we find assurance in this world. That our hearts might be comforted being knit together in love. This love is not a love of country. This is not a love of family even. It's a love that is based on the source, the fount of all love, the love of the Father. And if you wish to understand that a little bit better, simply reread the parable of the prodigal son. And there you will see the love of the Father and what he offers. But there's more than that. There's riches. Do you remember when that prodigal son came home? The first thing the father did was put a robe on him and a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Full assurance that he was now once again a son of his father. That didn't mean that there were no consequences for his past actions. Sin also had to be dealt with. And there was loss because of his decisions. And so, young people that are getting ready now perhaps to move on to a new stage in your understanding of Scripture, remember that the choices you make have consequences. The father said to the older son, Son, all that I have is yours. Though, this, though the younger son came back, there was loss. The money he had wasted was not coming back. And so it would be with you. The years that you waste in sin and pride, they're gone. It's true, God can redeem the time. He can bring back what the locust has eaten, as is said in the Old Testament. But there will be cost, so be careful about the choices you make. But the real rich the real riches of God here on earth is the assurance that we carry with us. 
It was the assurance that America lacked in the wake of those 9-11 attacks. The assurance that, as Job said, though worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Think about those words. What can someone do to your body that will take that away from you? That's a treasure no one can plunder, more secure than any Swiss bank. I just recently read a short, fascinating story about the expansion of the, uh, the Swiss bank in Bern and how they dug even deeper under the plaza to a whole new level for the storage of gold, for the wealth of nations. And the, and the secrecy and the efforts that they went to it. I thought, that bunker is no more secure than anywhere else on this world. One serious nuclear explosion and those carefully stacked and numbered bars will melt. And then who will retrieve them from the radioactive waste? There is no security here, so don't look for it here. You won't find it here. That is actually the third verse here, and this one I'd like to leave with you. It's talking about Christ. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Knowing these things, Peter says, what manner of men ought we to be in all godliness and holy conversation? If you know these things, how important is a massive bank account or a big stock portfolio? Knowing you cannot take it with you. Knowing that all the money in the world will not buy for you health. Knowing that you may be a success in the business world and yet a disaster in your family and those that are closest to you. No, look for true knowledge, true wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge applied. And here you can learn from Christ. Here you can learn from the greatest teacher that ever walked the paths of this world. He will give you the proper framework, the proper context, the proper perspective to view every problem you may face in your life. You can trust him for that. Verse 6, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. I recently started reading a short book. And this particular author is one of my favorites. As I began reading, I read the opening paragraph and it totally stopped me. I had to simply put the book down and think. And the line that he had, and I, I may butcher this, I hopefully I'll find the proper quote and, and quote it correctly next time. But the book is called The Root of the Righteous. And he's talking about the previous generation of believers. And he said, in our previous generation, in those that were our spiritual forebearers, they paid a lot more attention to the root of a matter than the fruit. Because they trusted if the root was good, the fruit would come. 
we, their descendants, are much more interested in the fruit, and we pay scant heed to the root. I've transplanted a few trees and bushes, some with success and some without. But invariably, the ones where I take a good big root ball out and put it into good soil, those ones catch. Where the roots have been damaged, when you first put it in, it looks great, and then it starts to wither. And no matter how much you water the bush or the plant, it never fully takes. And finally, you just pull it up, and you get to see that those roots really were not sufficient. They had died, withered. They were not supporting the plant. Christ Jesus, you know, he could have simply burst onto the scene at 30-odd years old, did some teaching, suffered and died and disappeared. But he didn't. There are those early years of which we know very little about his life. But I would submit to you that that is where the root was formed. And so, young people, the opportunity you have before you, what will you do about the root? What will you do to nurture healthy roots? What will you use as your anchor when the storms of life come? Where will you draw your sustenance from? What fruit will you leave behind? Christ, on his way to Jerusalem, he came across a tree. It was a fig tree. And he came to it, and he was looking for fruit. But the Bible tells us that it wasn't the time yet for figs. But he looked at it, and he cursed the tree. He said, no man eat fruit of thee henceforth forever. And they went into the city, and he taught, did miracles. And then as they returned, as they went by that same tree again, the disciples marveled. It says, they, they marveled at the tree and wondered that it had so soon shriveled up from the root. Christ must have seen that there was something wrong already in that tree. He doesn't needlessly destroy things just to show his power. He was simply showing that without the proper root, there can be no fruit. If you desire good fruit for your life, tend to the root now. Don't wait and think that there's some sort of shortcut for putting down those good roots. We were in Algonquin just a few weeks ago. Let me close with this. And one of the things that I, I did, actually, when we were fairly newly married, we went up to Algonquin and we went to Rock Lake, and up there there's a trail that leads up to a cliff that's a good 200 feet tall, really commanding views. And of course, the whole area of Algonquin is Canadian Shield, big sheets of granite scoured by glaciers. And there, there's big trees as well. But there was one tree that had fallen over. And it was really interesting to walk by because the, the, the mat of the roots was a good, I'd say, 10 feet in diameter, maybe 12 feet. It was huge. And you could see what happened. The tree had found a little bit of soil, had put down roots, but because there wasn't any depth to that soil, 
it simply kept spreading those roots farther and farther out, trying to create stability, draw nutrients, and it grew. The tree was a good size. But then when the storm came, what was hidden became exposed. Though it had roots, they were not properly prepared. They were not down into deep soil. It was enough to reach a height, but not enough to make it last. Let that, let that not be how your life ends. That when you finally fall over, the lack of roots, the lack of stability, the lack of nourishment is exposed. It looked good for many people that made that hike before me. A nice tree, a beautiful tree, a big tree. But take heed to the root. You need to be rooted and grounded in him. May the Lord add whatever was lacking to what was said. Amen. What are As Brother Phil preached, uh, my mind went, I guess, to a very familiar psalm, Psalm number one. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his, in his season. His leaf shall also not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Trees that are planted by the rivers of water spread their roots. They become firm, they become strong, and they receive the, the um, necessary nutrients to grow. We were in Michigan this past week to visit Amy, Millie and myself, and we noticed the tree did fall, and we wondered why the roots were so small. We thought, they'd be, they're going to be huge, but they weren't. Some was attributed to just maybe some breakages, but they weren't as big as I thought they were, would be. But if you have the right root system, and the, the, the right geometry, if you will, and depth of earth. God knows what he's doing. And if we're planted by the rivers of water, these, the rivers that Jesus Christ said, he that believes on me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of water, springs, and springing unto eternal life. Brother Phil also asked the question at the beginning when the towers fell on 9-11. The question was, where was God on that day? This question was also raised during the Holocaust for the atrocities that were committed at the Holocaust. And one author said, why did God allow this, this horrific, horrendous uh, scenes of suffering, some atrocious scenes? And she concluded God was on the gallows 
God is dead. But another author who believed in the living Christ, who believed in the living God, says, yes, he was dead. God was on the gallows. God was in Christ, on the cross, reconciling the world unto himself. God was in Christ. He was crucified with Christ as God. He was on the gallows, reconciling the world unto himself. And theologians just cannot understand this. And neither can we understand that. God was saving the world. God is not here to save us from our physical ills necessarily. God is here to save our souls from eternal suffering, from eternal pain. The problem is when we reject that opportunity to accept that cross, to accept the sacrifice on that cross, we reject the remedy for eternal suffering, for eternal pain. What will you do? What choice will you make today? I pray that you'll make the wise choice. Today, while you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. This is my prayer to all. This concludes this service, but we will 